This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Colbert Report, Media Matters, The Young Turks, The Progressive, The Onion, Counterspin, The Jimmy Dore Show, Jim Hightower, and NPR with a bonus video clip for our Apple iOS and Android app users from The Daily Show. I am sick to death of all the people out there who would open our borders to every Tomas, Diego, and Harry who wants in. By the way, that's Harry spelled with a J. Harry. I say, if you want to become an American, you do it the legal way. At the very least, have your grandmother place a fake birth announcement in a Hawaiian newspaper. That's why, that is why, folks. I was so happy to see this. Jim? After 101 years, Eulalia Garcia Monterey will become a U.S. citizen. In 1909, Monterey was just a baby when she crossed into the United States from Mexico. Even worse, all she could say was ga-ga-goo-goo. <laughs> Speak English. Well... Eulalia has survived two husbands during her long path to citizenship. So, fellas, if you're looking for a green card, she's single. Now, so she's been naturalized, and as a legal centenarian American, she is now eligible to have her birthday announced by Willard Scott instead of by a giant baby on Sabido Gigante. Okay, so with this example, can we just put to rest once and for all this myth that our immigration system is broken? Eulalia here proves that if you follow the rules, there is a legal path to citizenship. And it takes less than 102 years. Now she is eligible to work here legally, picking crops, paving roads, doing construction. No more racing away with her oxygen tank when immigration pulls up in front of the Home Depot. So congratulations, Eulalia. And now, yes. And now that they won't be anchor babies, feel free to start pumping those ninos out. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Danny Herrera. Fox and Friends hosted Dan Stein of the Federation for American Immigration Reform, a nationally designated hate group. True to form, Mr. Stein fear-mongered about anchor babies and so-called birth tourism. People advertise all over the world setting up these, these tours to bring people in. The women, they happen to be pregnant. They're here to have kids. They put them up in a crowded housing condition. So the kids are U.S. citizens. Under the current, and we believe wrong, interpretation of our 14th Amendment, there's a tremendous incentive to either violate our immigration laws by coming illegally to have the child or by getting a tourist visa. Mr. Stein's speculation runs counter to what empirical data tells us. A Pew Research study showed that 91% of undocumented immigrants with citizen children arrived at least two years before having a child. As most immigration experts will tell you, people come to the U.S. to get jobs, not to have babies.
More and more undocumented uh, immigrants in the United States who are about to give birth do so while they are shackled and while they have a guard watching them as they give birth. Okay, this was a story that was uh, written up on Huffington Post, and I thought it was unbelievable. I thought our country was a little better than that. I'm not saying I support illegal immigration, but this is just inhumane, okay? So what's happening is undocumented women uh, will get arrested, and at, while they're detained, some of them uh, might be pregnant, they might be going into labor. So what ends up happening is while they're giving birth, they're taken away from their family members. They literally have authorities standing there and watching them give birth and they're shackled to the bed because they're dangerous individuals who might run away while they're in the process of delivering a freaking baby. Now, here's who can't run away. A woman in the middle of birth, okay? I mean, seriously, what's she going to do? Like, grab the baby and start running? I don't know what uh, they think. I don't know what they... We're treating these people like they're dangerous, violent criminals. And in these cases, they're not, okay? They, they don't... Look, they don't have documents. They should have documents, but they don't have them. That doesn't mean you need to shackle them. Like, shackle means, like, sh like Hannibal Lecter gets shackled. Like, that she can, like, all of a sudden, like, get up and rip your face off and put it on and escape, Right? She's giving birth. She's not going anywhere. Okay, and you don't need to have a creepy dude watching it. No, like, just think about that for a second, though, Cheng. Think about that for a second. You're giving birth. Your entire body is exposed. It's it's not something that you want, you know, strangers there to witness. Okay, and you have some government officials standing there watching you deliver okay which is you're already in a horrible position because you're delivering a baby it's painful it's it's difficult it's stressful on your on your on yourself both mentally and physically and to not have your family members there and have an official there watching you while you're shackled is ridiculous one of the women one of the women uh, that was profiled in this case uh, says that she begged the official to at least release one of her arms and he was like, Ugh. no, I'm not, no, not going to release your arm because you're here and you're an undocumented immigrant, so sorry. Now, look, here's the thing. It's not like we're saying that uh, they should tell women, okay, you know what, go have a, uh, the birth and be with your family and then come back, right? Because then people might say, oh, you're so naive, they're not going to come back, right? Okay, all right. So why don't you have the guy stand outside, okay? And why don't so you take the So he accompanies off. her, okay? She's not going to, you don't, you don't shackle her, you have a guard outside or a government official outside, right, and you let the husband in. And you know, if you, if the government official wants to follow the baby, make sure that the baby is the right one and is there and they don't smuggle the baby out, okay. But you don't have to stand over her private parts looking over while she's shackled. I mean, come this on, this story. is the most obvious thing in the world. I mean, at what point do we say we're too inhumane? that this is too sick. It is, it is sick. And you know, what I also found fascinating about this story and unbelievable about this story is that there are only 14 states in the US that ban shackling uh, a woman who is giving birth. Okay, only 14 states. Here's who I would shackle during birth. A, a, like a mass killer, right? Yeah. So a woman who in the past has like chopped up doctors, specifically OBGYNs, and put them in the fridge. I say, hey, you know what? There's OBGYNs around. Maybe I'd shackle her during the birth.
As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. President Obama hit some good notes in his El Paso speech on immigration. He denounced the ugly rhetoric that colors the debate on this issue, and he acknowledged that the overwhelming majority of immigrants who came here illegally are just trying to earn a living and provide for their families. He also acknowledged that they're vulnerable to unscrupulous businesses that skirt taxes and pay workers less than the minimum wage or cut corners with health and safety laws. But then he boasted about all the enforcement that he was doing, and the crowd that shouted, I love you, to him at the the beginning booed him when he talked about the fence on the border. Obama also boasted about increasing deportations, even as he claimed sympathy with some of the deported. We don't relish the pain that it causes in the lives of people who are just trying to get by and get caught up in the system, he said, adding that it's not just hardened felons who are subject to removal. Yet the innocent ones caught up in the system, as he put it, are caught up in the system that he himself has devised, the so-called Secure Communities Program, which turns local law enforcement into immigration officers. That's not what they're trained for, so Obama should end that program now and the suffering that goes with it. I'm Matt Rothschild, and that's how I see it. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Jess Levin. A few months ago, Fox News launched a new website, foxnewslatino.com, designed to appeal to the nation's rapidly growing Hispanic population. Recently, the site offered a sympathetic look at proponents of the DREAM Act. Polls show that Latinos overwhelmingly support the DREAM Act, but that wasn't the tune Fox News Channel was playing a couple weeks ago. Congress is called the DREAM Act, but it is a nightmare for some opposed to citizenship for illegal aliens. There's a safe harbor for criminal aliens, people that are actually here illegally and then commit crimes beyond that. Yeah. Foremost among them, uh, Harry Reid trying to ram through this very unpopular, uh, expensive and, and reckless illegal alien amnesty DREAM Act. And, and that shows you just how warped their priorities are. And it's good th that all of the Republicans seem to be on message. As soon as Kyle Johnson heard about his school's policy of requiring students to take a foreign language to graduate, he knew it was un-American. You know, I just basically thought Spanish sucked. What's the point? I'm American. I speak American. Rather than go along with the policy, Kyle began boycotting his Spanish homework and leaving his tests blank. Kyle also lost one of his Spanish textbooks and bravely spilled a Mountain Dew all over another. Do you see yourself following in the footsteps of great Americans like Thomas Paine or Paul Revere? Uh, yeah, totally. I've never heard of those guys, but um, I'm not going to do any Spanish shit and no one's going to make me. 
But like many other patriots throughout history, Kyle's views did not always make him popular. His classmates dismissed him as obnoxious and a moron. His teacher even punished him for his principled stand against Spanish. How did you find the strength to keep going when people tried to silence your message? Um, you know, I don't really care what they think. Like, they're a bunch of faggots, so uh, they can all blow me. Rather than be forced to learn a foreign language on American soil, Kyle eventually stopped going to Spanish class entirely and courageously began spending that time in the convenience store parking lot down the street from his school, trying to convince homeless people to buy him cigarettes. Kyle, everyone at the Onion News Network was so inspired by your patriotic fight that we actually created a petition against your Spanish teacher. Over 80,000 viewers signed it. Due to that extreme pressure, your school was forced to fire Senorita Miller today. Really? That's awesome. She sucks. Thank you, Kyle Johnson, for reminding us that it's not just our troops who are fighting every day for our freedom. From Beyond the Facts, I'm Jean Ann Morton. There's a certain kind of annoying article that appears in the liberal media in which a story is presented within a particular, generally right-wing frame, which every now and again the reporter acknowledges isn't really accurate, but which nevertheless drives the piece. The New York Times on January 5th ran a story about some anti-immigrant folks who want to deny citizenship to children born on U.S. soil. The piece led with a woman named Inez Vasquez because, quote, Hardliners describe a wave of migrants like Ms. Vasquez stepping across the border in the advanced stages of pregnancy to have what are dismissively called anchor babies, close quote. It's characteristic of these pieces that reporters drop into the discourse whatever horrible language one side of an issue is using, making sure to distance themselves with a phrase like dismissively called. Next, we learn that, actually, cases like Vasquez's are rare, that most women crossing the border to give birth do so legally. What's galling is how, having said that, the piece then devotes itself to a sort of non-committal notation of the efforts of some to build policy around the distortion. The 14th Amendment, therefore, is balanced with, quote, still, some conservatives contend that the issue is unsettled, close quote. And scholars who have studied migration come last and least in the piece, because why complicate it with their uncolorful views about economic deprivation and the desire for jobs? There's also this, quote, Despite being called anchor babies, the children of illegal immigrants born in the United States cannot actually prevent deportation of their parents. It is not until they reach the age of 21 that the children are able to file paperwork to sponsor their parents for legal immigration status, close quote. One wonders how long they'll have to wait for the New York Times to stop using this term and spotlighting the people who promote it.
This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Danny Herrera. With a renewed national focus on immigration reform, Fox News has spent the past several weeks misleading on the issue, slanting its news coverage to paint immigrants in a negative light. People are cracking down on illegals by hitting their employers where it hurts. They don't hate people, or but the illegals are destroying their economy. The illegals who are here, I don't think they're going anywhere. Say anchor babies, the term used to describe newborns whose parents are illegal immigrants. With me now is Representative Louis Gomer of Texas, who's been at the forefront of the anchor babies debate. Illegal aliens, like it or not, uh, are populated by the millions in our country. They come here, they take jobs, they send billions of dollars out of the country, and unfortunately, they're involved in more than their share, a larger proportionate share of criminal activity. Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Jose Antonio Vargas uh, just recently came out to New York Times, but he didn't come out as a gay individual, even though he is gay. He came out as an undocumented immigrant. No, that's a double whammy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, jeez, Lord mercy, why doesn't he become Muslim while he's at it? Yeah, you got a point there. <laughs> Um, but his story is so incredible. You know, his his mother uh, found a way to get him into the United States when he was 12 years old. His mother wasn't able to come, so she's been in the Philippines. He's Filipino um, all this time. She, he has not seen his mother since he was 12 years old. You know, he's lived with his grand grandfather and grandmother, and just hearing about his story is uh, it both makes you sad, but it's also inspiring because. He had to work so hard to like not only prove to himself but almost like prove to others that he had a right to be here. Mm -hmm. You know, he wanted to be as successful as possible so sh he can prove to society that he's not that stereotypical illegal alien that people paint in the media. Mm -hmm. You know, he he's someone who can actually contribute something to society and he's someone that is worthy of being here. And it makes you so sad but then you read about his story and all the things he's achieved and accomplished and it's incredible. First of all, if, you're, if you don't have papers, you can't apply for scholarships. He graduated at the top of his class in high school. He got into um, San Francisco State, uh, not San Francisco, uh, he got into a university in San Francisco, a really good university. Yeah, San Francisco State. Uh, and he couldn't pay for it because he couldn't get financial aid. So he had like a whole support system, teachers that were, you know, definitely moved by his story and knew th about the fact that he was an illegal immigrant. And they found scholarships for him and you know through determination he was able to find the scholarships right. to go to school and he was able to find work even though he found work with fake papers right so look I'm conflicted on this story putting the kidding aside from mm -hmm. earlier right uh, he uh, the reason I'm conflicted is because look he's throughout this whole thing he's cheating right yeah he wasn't supposed to be here then he you know fixes the papers he gets a fake driver's license fake this fake that Right, and uh, you know you should do things the right way. So, um, and it was undocumented, illegal, whatever you want to call it, from the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, on the other hand, uh, you know we sit in the comfortableness of our citizenship, right? And we don't feel like we have to prove anything, and we just sit around like ah, I'm American, right? Uh, whereas this guy's busting his ass to prove that he's worthy of being an American, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so, does that make me love the guy? Of course it does, right? So my heart goes out to him. No question about that. And uh, then he has all these accomplishments. And so that goes towards my conclusion of my conflict on this story, right? So that's why I'm in favor of the DREAM Act, and that's why I'm in favor of Pathway to Citizenship. 
Look, if you just come in, mosey on in and go, all right, I'd just like to be a citizen. <laughs> well, I mean, we can't have that, right? Otherwise, everybody would come in, right? But if uh, for the undocumented immigrants that have, a, it, as the original proposal was for a pathway to citizenship, they work 10 long years, 12 long years, well, however long it takes, and then they become citizens. They, come on, they earned it, man. How, what more do you want from them? Do you want blood from a stone? What do you want, right? And that's, you know, if they do that, then they've shown that they want to work and be productive members of society, want to be Americans. Okay, then we got to do that, right? And in the DREAM Act, you know, you're brought in here as a minor, as he, he was, right? And you work your way through high school, and then you get to a point where you've got great grades, and you're ready to go to college, be a contributing member of society, or you're ready to join the Army, contribute to, to the country that way. Well, then let them go. Let them go. Yeah, okay? I couldn't agree more with that. The fact that the DREAM Act hasn't passed yet, it, it just, what, what are we waiting for? I mean, it's not his fault that at the age of 12, his mom got him into the United States. Like, he didn't even know what was going on. Right. You know, the person, uh, it was a coyote who got him onto uh, the plane. He pretended like he was his uncle from America. Uh -huh. Right. Later on, he found out that wasn't my uncle, it was a coyote. Oh, that's really interesting, because he's 12 years old, he doesn't know. Right. Look, I remember when I came over when I was 8, and we came over legally and everything, mm -hmm. so get off my back. Uh, but I, I remember waking up one night, and my uh, about two weeks in, and I started crying, right? Mm -hmm. And my dad came out, I was by the stairs, and he sat next to me on the stairs, and mm -hmm. he's like, what's up? And I said, I, I thought you guys were kidding, I thought we were on vacation. Oh, are you gonna cry again? A little bit. <laughs> and I thought we were gonna go back. I'm like, that's our whole family's there. Our friends are there. I didn't know, right? And it turns out we're staying, right? So when you're a kid, you don't know. It wasn't his fault that he was right. brought here, etc. Now I'm really afraid for him because, you know, now that he said this, they're not gonna even if the Dream Act passes, which is no certainty whatsoever, and you begin to have that conversation only in 2013. Mm -hmm. If the Republicans lose the House, there's a million ifs in there, right? It's, they're not going to apply it retroactively. I think he's in a lot of trouble. I mean, I think it took a lot of courage for him to come out like this, but I'm worried about it, man. I mean, look, Republicans will swarm over stuff like this. Yeah, I'm worried about him, too, and I don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know what's going to happen, so I guess he's sitting around waiting to see you know, what the consequences are going to be. But it, 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 not only was it extremely brave for him to do this, it also was a massive relief because he went out, went through his life feeling this tremendous amount of guilt, you know, basically lying to everyone, people who care about him, people who have like invested in him and everything. He's just completely lied to them, employers, throughout his entire life. Yeah. So, so for him, coming out this way was, you know, almost like lifting a huge boulder off his shoulders. No, no, there's no question. This is the new closet. Because, you know, as it has become easier and easier to come out of the closet for uh, being gay, uh, now, like people, a lot of like in the cities and stuff, you're like, oh, you were gay. Who cares, right? Uh, this is real, though, right? It is, it is. And and it's a real line that you got to carry around with you and stuff. And I'm sure he feels relief. But again, look, when I was at Net Roots, uh, these uh, women came up and 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 others and said, I'm undocumented, right? And they say it in public, and they're trying to do the same thing as Vargas is, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, show a real face to undocumented immigrants, not the stereotype, etc. It's very useful, very good, etc. But as I was sitting there looking at them, I'm going, man, I don't know if I'd do that. That's, yeah. that's really putting yourself out there and asking for a world of trouble. I mean, because you know Fox News is going to go on the warpath any second. Yeah, that's true. And there are severe consequences. Not only do you get deported, if you ever want to become a citizen of the United States, you, you are banned from the U.S. for 10 years and then you can 
sign for papers or, or, or apply for papers. And in that case, they're going to say no. I mean, of course, there are exceptions. They might, but you know, they might, since he's high profile, maybe they'll pardon him or something. Right. I don't know if there is such a pardon for such things and stuff. But look, you know, you know me, I'm not afraid of any, any Fox attack, right? But I'm not in his position. When Fox attacks, what do you think happens with Democrats? You think Democrats are going to stand up for Jose Antonio Vargas? Is that what you think? You think they're going to protect him and keep him in the country? Dude, I'm thinking I'm going to visit him in Manila in a couple of years, right? I mean, God, man, I, I, stay strong, brother. Stay strong. I hope he's all right, but that's a bold move. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Another installment of Oh My God. Okay, so today we go to uh, Congressional Representative Mo Brooks from Alabama. And uh, he's tired of immigration. What about Larry and Curly? So Representative Mo Brooks from Alabama, he's tired of immigration. He's tired of immigrants taking away our jobs. And he's going to do everything. Uh, but you know, to, to stop Im illegal immigration, but he's very responsible about it. He's not like, going to fly off the handle and say something that's going to incite people. Well, anyway, I'm just going to, uh, I'll play. This is what he's, this is how, how he plans. This is his pledge to his constituents if they elect him, what he's going to do to uh, end immigration. Ready? Here, here is Mo. As your congressman on the House floor, I'll do anything short of shooting them. Anything that is lawful, <laughs> it needs to be done because illegal aliens oh. need to quit taking jobs from American citizens. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Bullseye, Jimmy. No, wait a minute. Why are you so racist? He said anything short he's of shorter. shooting. He of said his defense. Well. He said he's not going to shoot them. He'll do everything. He'll stab them. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll hang them. The stab them, beat them with sticks. Mm -hmm. He'll yeah. hobble them. Yeah, hobble them. Sure. He'll run them off the road for, with his car. You know, first of all, let's give him kudos for sticking his neck out right. south of the Mason-Dixon line yeah. by taking a unpopular stand like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, especially in uh, Mexican-friendly Alabama. Mm -hmm. Yeah, has this guy ever met a Mexican uh, in Alabama? Not one. Uh, He's been to Chi-Chi's, and it was a very, very abrupt experience. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they had border problems in Alabama. Uh, they think they do. They oh, don't know yeah. that that that's just actually Mississippi. Mm -hmm. they, they don't understand. <laughs> Those are just people from the unwashed mm -hmm. from Mississippi coming over to Alabama. I, wow. I don't think anybody from 
either of those states listens to us. And if they do, they know that the state they live in is horrible and that they want to get out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know. I've, have you been? I've never been. That's the one state I've never been to. I've Alabama. been to Alabama. What part of Alabama? Uh, uh, it was near Dothan, Alabama. And it was a uh, one-nighter. And it was You're doing stand up comedy. Doing stand up comedy. And it was one of those deals where everybody's in their cowboy boots dancing on the parquet floor and they go, All right, everybody, clear the floor. It's time for comedy. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh no. And so the guy in the DJ booth says, yeah. uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh Paul Gilmartin. Yeah. And he hands me the microphone, and the microphone <laughs> is wrapped a hundred times around the DJ booth railing and the the dance floor where I'm supposed to go stand is a hundred yards away, <laughs> so I've got to start my show by going, "Hi, how, how's everybody doing?" Unwrap. I'm uh. <laughs> it went downhill from there. And um, I'm guessing the audience uh, did everything to heckle you, short of shooting you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thank you for indulging me in that. No, time. that was a that was a great story. We'll cut it out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to hear Representative Bo Brooks one more time. Ready? As your congressman on the House floor, I'll do anything short of shooting them. Anything that is lawful, (laughs) it needs to be done because illegal aliens need to quit taking jobs from American citizens. Okay, there you have it. But he mentions it on – he says specifically the House floor. Does he know that illegal alien problems aren't on the House floor? They're not showing up there? I am not sure. I I understand he's so dedicated to stopping illegal aliens that he's he's going to get cheap labor from in front of the Home Depot to help him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fight them off. Some day laborers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, sure. Uh, don't you think even a dime store psychologist would say what he really wants to do is shoot them? But <laughs> well, that's he the, knows that he can't. Paul, you shoot. sure you didn't have any training? <laughs> you haven't been to school? Mm-hmm. Come on, you've taken Psych 101 at least. But I hope you cut that part out more than the other part. <laughs> you think that he really wants to shoot him? Wow, that's insightful, Paul. I, I got to tell you, if I ever wanted to, I didn't see the big picture. He sees right through it. I'm I bet so that, embarrassed right you now. Think, you know, Paul, do you think no, he doesn't please, like Mexicans? Stop, please stop. Please stop. Okay. Make this go away. Okay, I make it go away. This has been Oh My God. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Danny Herrera. The right-wing media are up in arms about a joke President Obama made during an immigration speech in El Paso, Texas. One more time. You know, they said we needed to triple the border patrol. Or now they're going to say we need to quadruple the border patrol. Or they'll want a higher fence. Maybe they'll need a moat. Maybe they'll want alligators in the moat. They'll never be satisfied. Leading the charge among the humorless hacks was none other than Lou Dobbs. The president yesterday in El Paso, Texas, uh, mocking congressional Republicans over the issue of border security. Come on, Lou. You gotta admit it's pretty funny. You know who isn't funny? Rush Limbaugh's staff. Yo, bomb, man. Let me ask you this, man. You gonna send your bootylicious homegirl, Michelle, and your two shorties down there to party? For these stories and more, visit MediaMatters.org.
Every state legislature has its share of incompetent, insensitive, and often incomprehensible goobers sitting in seats of power. Sometimes you have to wonder who helps them work the doorknobs to get out of their houses each morning. For some reason, Texas seems to have more than its share of grade-A goobers serving in our state capitol. One is Debbie Riddle, a right-wing Republican ideologue from the town of Tomball. Representative Riddle is presently in a pout. She's offended that so many people have been offended by an immigration bill she introduced. It calls for fining and jailing people who, quote, intentionally, knowingly, or recklessly hire undocumented immigrants. Okay, that's a pretty popular position in our state, but then she stumbled and tumbled by adding a little exemption. People who hire unauthorized laborers to work in their homes will not be fined or jailed. Yes, it's a nanny loophole for the privileged class. They rail about people they callously brand as illegal aliens. Yet, they want a steady supply of these low-wage powerless workers to care for their children, clean their houses, and tend their yards. They don't want to mess with checking documents, so Debbie blithely gives them a pass, allowing them to hate illegals and have them, too. How happy! She then demonstrated her deep grasp of the immigration issue by explaining that Latinos are coming into our state illegally because we put, quote, a big old bowl of candy out for them. Yeah, Madam Lawmaker, those housekeeping and yard jobs, as well as chicken plucking and roofing jobs, are plenty cushy and well-paying, which is why so many of your neighbors are scrambling to grab such work for themselves. This is Jim Hightower saying, pious politicos should try walking in the shoes of people they denigrate before they legislate. Reality can be a useful teacher if you're willing to listen to reality. Okay, what what do you think is the best thing of the thing about the show that is best and most appealing to to somebody who listens or watches? Because we cover everything and we do it well. <laughs> Why do you think people watch the show? I think that it's a completely different angle. I don't think it's about being expansive or up to date. I think it's 99% of media that's out there is giving one story, it's giving a particular point of view, and it's also not covering certain stories. So I don't know that it's about being up-to-date or expansive. I think it's, it's a well, non- Well, that's what I said. We cover everything. Well, we don't cover everything, Lewis. How can we cover everything? We cover eight to ten stories. Everything important, pretty much. Well, if that doesn't make you curious, I don't know what will. Check out The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. You think I got it easy. Now, Rick Perry has made some mistakes uh, so far, partly because he was stammering and uh, giving incoherent answers in the debates, but the much larger problem was that in the debates, at times, he made the mistake of showing some compassion, which is about the worst thing you could do in a Republican debate. It's great. I mean, he is literally being vilified for the two moments in the debate when I think reasonable Americans were like, well, I agree with him on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that seems yeah. like a reasonable Yeah, he thing. seems harsh on everything else, but that was semi-reasonable. Yeah. So one of that was on immigration when he said, look, you know, if these guys, if the kids who had nothing to do with the decision to come here have earned their way into a school and we just Earn let them... Earned their way into school by doing well in high school. Right. Going to high school, doing well. And, and they've lived in America their whole lives, et cetera, and then now we're going to help them get an education to be productive members of society. It's a little heartless. We're not giving, by the way, they're not giving them any extra benefit. 
They are right. just giving them the exact same benefit that everybody else in Texas gets. Right. If you don't do that, he said it's a little heartless. So, of course, Republicans jumped all over him. They're like, how dare you? So what happens? He's got a backpedal. So here he is talking to Newsmax with the fu- dude with the funny mustache. And listen, and the, and the and voice. Look. Yeah, so let's watch this funny back. You say this about those who oppose giving in-state tuition to the children of illegal aliens. I don't think you have a heart. Can you explain why you believe so strongly in this? Well, I probably chose a poor word to uh, explain that. For people who don't want their state uh, to be giving uh, tuition to illegal uh, aliens, uh, illegal immigrants in this country, that's their call, and I respect that. And, and I was, um, you know, I, I was probably a bit uh, overpassionate by using that word, and it was inappropriate. Yeah, it's good thinking because what he's doing now is taking the Mitt Romney tact mm-hmm. of sort of running from who you are. Right. Pretending you're somebody else. Uh, n- none of these guys just figure, man, look, be who you are. You might not win. It's hard to win. But uh, be who you are. So a couple of things. There. Like it's an opportunity to lead and he won't do it. No, because the, the primary voters are vicious. Yeah, that's and their way of thinking. I, I, you're right, of course. I don't, I don't believe that if you handle it and answer it differently. Yeah, you say to them, hey, look, man, you want a leader? We're going to disagree on some things. Well, these people have been in the state a long time, and I'm giving them the same benefit. I understand you disagree with me. I respect you for disagreeing with you. I stick by it. I think I got the right point. Right, and it's nowhere near right. as bad a decision as your mustache. So right, totally. we move on. Right? Uh, you, say, you say this to the people who disagree with you. Regard- <laughs> that guy's my favorite broad- uh, broadcaster in the country. Uh, you say this. <laughs> We've covered that guy like seven <laughs> times. He's, it's not the 1970s anymore. He doesn't get it. There's a On the Onion News Network, could your team be mexting? Texting with Mexicans. It's the disturbing trend. I text Antonio, but I think he's Puerto Rican. That parents need to know about. I'm going to be Spanish. Tonight, Andrea Bennett investigates the shocking world of mexting to find out how many American children are sending messages south of the border or engaging in underage instant mextaging online or even sending Mexi photos to a Spanish-speaking stranger. Get the facts tonight at 10 p.m., right after The Big Desk with Dan Fernhoff, only on the Onion News Network. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Danny Herrera. Listen to how Glenn Beck's guest host, Doc Thompson, turns a story about spotted owls into a conversation about illegal immigration. It's pretty disgusting. There's an owl called the barred owl. They uh, started out in the East Coast and they've moved their way west. 
And they've moved into the uh, the areas where the, the spotted owls are. Those poor barred owls. I feel horrible for them. They just want a better way of life, right? I mean, yeah, they're taking over the nests that are occupied by the spotted owls. Yes, they sometimes kill the spotted owls. And yes, they take the resources of the spotted owls. So what are they going to do? Round them all up and deport them to the East Coast? Well, there'll be people complaining. And by the way, while I'm talking about this, let me just say I am incredibly offended by the term anchor egg. For President Obama, it's not just his potential opponent in 2012 he'll have to contend with. He's facing declining support among Latino voters, down to 48% in the most recent Gallup poll. NPR's Brian Naylor has this look at what's behind that number. President Obama came into office with strong Latino support, having won two-thirds of the Latino vote, according to exit polls. But for some, that support has turned to disillusionment. There's a deep sense of betrayal and disappointment towards the Obama administration. That's Sarai Uribe, coordinator of the National Day Laborer Organizing Network. She singles out a program called Secure Communities in which local police check the immigration status of those they arrest on other violations. The administration says that's led to some 195,000 criminals being deported this past year, about half of all deportations. Uribe says many of those caught are for traffic violations and minor offenses. And we hear the president ran on a platform of immigration reform. But what we've seen is that he's actually leaving behind a a legacy of deportation and criminalization. Latino leaders say the administration has been too aggressively deporting immigrants here illegally. Some 400,000 a year have been sent home, more than the Bush administration ever deported in a single year. In the meantime, the leaders say the administration hasn't done enough to push issues important to them, such as comprehensive immigration reform and the DREAM Act. That would allow the children of illegal immigrants to get in-state tuition for college and a path to citizenship. Neither reform nor the DREAM Act got through Congress. In a recent roundtable with Latino journalists, the president said he couldn't pass those measures on his own, and he insisted the administration is being selective in those it deports. What we can do is to uh, prioritize enforcement, since there are limited enforcement resources, and say, we're not going to go chasing after this young man or anybody else. Uh, who, uh, who's been acting responsibly uh, and uh, would otherwise qualify uh, for legal status if, uh, if uh, the DREAM Act passed. And the administration is taking other steps that may well help it win back support of Latino voters. It's aggressively challenging tough immigration laws passed in Arizona and Alabama, and it's considering suing to overturn immigration laws passed in Utah, Indiana, Georgia, and South Carolina. Still, political science professor Gabriel Sanchez at the University of New Mexico is skeptical these steps will help the president all that much with Latino voters. About a quarter of Latino voters know somebody personally who has been deported over the last several years. 
That is very difficult to overcome with the change in policy this late in the game. But political analyst Victoria DiFrancesco Soto, a visiting scholar at the University of Texas, says immigration isn't the only important issue to Hispanic voters. Immigration is an issue of concern to Latinos, but that doesn't mean that we also don't care about issues such as the economy and education. And actually, those are issues that really affect the bulk of Latinos in a more day-to-day fashion than does immigration. And in those areas, D. Francisco Soto says the administration can point to issues like the president's proposal for a national infrastructure bank, which would mean more construction jobs that might be filled by Latinos. The Republicans running for president, with the exception of Texas Governor Rick Perry, are taking a hard line on immigration issues. So the real worry for the president isn't Latinos voting for Republicans so much as it is that they won't vote at all. Brian Naylor, NPR News, Washington. The mission of this show is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week, help more people plug into the truly liberal media, and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help. One of the most heartbreaking aspects of our failed immigration policy in the U.S. is that it's a homewrecker. More than 5,000 children are currently living in foster care because their parents have either been deported or detained, according to a new report from the Applied Research Center. Some, if not most of these children, may never get to see their parents again. The Obama administration has been busy busting up these families. In the first six months of this year alone, the federal government removed more than 46,000 mothers and fathers of U.S. citizen children, the report states. Josephina and Clara, two sisters who were undocumented immigrants in New Mexico, were separated from their children. Josephina's baby was just nine months old. Clara's kids were one in six. They'd done nothing to harm their children or to elicit the attention of the Child Welfare Department. But someone had turned them in, falsely, on drug charges. So they were apprehended, and their kids were taken away. This happens way too often in America today, and it's just got to stop. The report is called Shattered Families, and you can find it on the web at arc.org. I'm Matt Rothschild, and that's how I see it.
I love this story. This was reported by the New York Times, and they uh, profiled a farmer by the name of John Harold from Colorado. And he's a farmer who participates in this government program known as H-2A. And what H-2A basically does is it helps farmers uh, use foreign workers uh, whenever they're having a hard time hiring Americans to do farming, harvesting. You get the picture. Well, it turns out that um, he is having an extremely difficult time hiring Americans to do the farming on his farms and on his crops. And he uh, says that, you know, he will hire Americans to do the work, but it will literally take them six hours to decide that they do not want to do the work because it's too difficult. So let me lay this out uh, a little broader, right? So normally he uses about 50 local guys that are American citizens, right? Uh, and those guys come back fairly regularly. But for the great majority of his workers, he uses this program to get foreign workers, right? This year he thinks, hey, you know what? Let me try more local workers because I want to help the local economy. People are jobless, etc., and you know less immigrants, etc., etc. So he says, "I'm only going to get two thirds of my workers through this uh, foreign program, and I'm going to get one third local." And as Anna pointed out, within six hours, they're like, "I'm out of five thousand, man. I didn't know I'd actually pick onions. Yeah, that's what I'm paying you for to pick onions." And, and part of the reason he did it, it's not just because he's a good humanitarian, is because even through the program, now he has to pay foreign workers $10.50 an hour, yes. and he doesn't like that, and he thinks it's pretty high, and he thinks if I'm paying that much, I might as well get uh, a, an American citizen to, to do this, right? Now, this story has a decidedly liberal bent, but it also has a decidedly conservative bent. All right. Okay, the liberal bent is... See, we told you that there's a reason why these folks are coming in and, you know, yeah. say, oh, we don't need no stinking immigrants. What, you want us to pick the corn? We're not going to pick the corn. Look, look, I know what some of you are going to say. You're going to say that this is just anecdotal evidence and you can't just focus on one farmer. Well, I have another example, okay? Uh, a new study by the University of Georgia found that the state had a shortage of 5,200 farmers this year because of new immigration laws in the state. Mm -hmm. Okay, so th they can't find farmers because... Look, most Americans don't want to do these jobs. Like, I know that people want to deny that and say, no, we're hardworking and we're willing to do that work. we got to get rid of the immigrants. It's just not the case. It, now, the Georgia case is not anecdotal at all. It's a macro picture of the whole state. You crack down on immigrants, and then all of a sudden, you got a shortage of farm workers, and you can't get the work done. And now the farmers are in a panic, right? And they looked, for them, this is their livelihood. So if they don't get a third of the the crop harvested, they lose a third of their money, and that doesn't mean just a third of their profits, it means a third of their revenue, which might bankrupt them, right? So this is very serious business to them. Now, what's the conservative bent of this? Well, look, honestly, here they're saying, here's some jobs, $10.50, and Americans are like, uh, I don't want to do that job, right? So, and now it's not all Americans, right? But in some of these cases, that's the reality of it. And it look, is really hard work. What. And one of the other farmers in the story, not Harold, but the other farmer, said, look, we're not pretending it's an easy job. If it rains, you still got to be out there. If it's really hot, you still got to be out there. We got to pick that corn and we got to pick those onions no matter what happens. It, it's a tough, tough job. And by the way, it's not just whites and blacks that have grown soft, just to keep it real here. They said most of the American residents who came for that job were Hispanic anyway. Right? Mm -hmm. So the whites and blacks largely didn't even show up to begin with, right? So the Hispanics, but they're the ones that are like second generation. Yes. After six hours, they're like, oh, so we're out of here.
This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Tyrone Gale. When it comes to immigration, Fox News knows what buzzwords will get its audience all right up and angry. For example, using the word illegals as a noun. A major shift in immigration policy, the Obama administration indefinitely delaying deportations of many illegals with clean criminal records, saying it'll let them focus their efforts on deporting the dangerous convicts and illegals who pose more of a security risk. The administration says it will review the cases of the 300,000 individuals awaiting deportation and prioritize those with more serious criminal violations. Legally, it is referred to as prosecutorial discretion, but on Fox News, it's called amnesty. And the courts want them out, but the president wants to give illegal immigrants, uh, wants them ready to be deported, a second chance. He's going around Congress, perhaps blanket amnesty. For these stories and more, visit MediaMatters.org. I love tomatoes. They're the most delicious food that you can throw at a crossing guard. I'm a big boy and I will cross where I want. Tomatoes and their East Coast variant tomatoes are also a key part of the classic American sandwich, the BLT. And I am not saying that because this show is underwritten by the BLT Council. But to be clear, the club sandwich is a lightly toasted, unholy three-way whose sinful triple-decker existence threatens the sanctity of traditional sandwich. <laughs> Read your Bible, folks. God ordained that lunch should be between two slices of bread, no exceptions. Leviticus 2018. And that is not the only threat to the American way of lunch. Because thanks to illegals, our country's tomato industry is plumb screwed. In the heart of tomato country, Hispanic workers and their families are walking off the job and leaving the state in fear. These farmers in Alabama say they're facing a crisis. Their fruits and vegetables are rotting in the fields because there aren't enough farm workers. Farmers are reportedly shorthanded because illegal immigrants have fled the state's toughest in the nation immigration laws. Yes, Hispanic farm workers have fled Alabama, stealing yet another thing Americans would like to do. <laughs> and all just because, just because the state passed to Alabama, Alabama. Folks, and it's all just because the state passed an immigration bill that requires police to check papers during routine traffic stops and makes it a crime to knowingly transport, harbor, or rent property to illegal immigrants. Oh, boo-hoo, amigos. Grow a pair of whatever the Mexican word is for cojones. All, all Alabama was trying to do was free up these farm jobs that los illegales are taking from Americans. But there has been a small hiccup in this otherwise flawless plan. Jim? We tried different ways, you know. Tried to, like, uh, get American people, you know, and uh, help us right here. But uh, they come one day and they quit. It's not that easy. They can't cut it. They but, can't take the hours. And, they, and, and honestly, they can't take the heat. The Americans aren't going to get out in the heat and work. They're not going to bend their back all day long. And they're not going to work. And they're not as hard workers as Hispanics. It turns out... Different ethnicities have different innate gifts. Hispanics are good at hard labor, Asians are good at calculus, and Americans are good at generalizing about what other people are good at. <laughs> folks, 
Folks, no one could have predicted this would happen, except me. Last year, in my critically acclaimed testimony before Congress, I shared my vast one-day experience working as a field hand. It is really, really hard. For one thing, when you're picking beans, you have to spend all day bending over. It turns out, and I did not know this, most soil is at ground level. If we can put a man on the moon, why can't we make the earth waist high? Come on, where is the funding? This brief experience gave me some small understanding of why so few Americans are clamoring to begin an exciting career as seasonal migrant field worker. Now, I'm not the kind of guy who says, I told you so. I'm the kind of guy who makes it a banner. Liberals out there are gloating that Alabama is just reaping what it sowed. Wrong, because there are no immigrants left to reap it. <laughs> Fortunately, Alabama has come up with a 21st century solution, chain gangs, because Alabama farmers are being offered inmates to help pick produce before it rots. Now, instead of having our food tainted by illegal aliens, it'll be harvested by perfectly legal criminals. <laughs> This plan worked perfectly in Georgia, other than the working part. Jim? Georgia's Agriculture Commissioner will tell Congress today his state's tough new immigration law has left farmers short 11,000 workers. And instead of jobless Americans, some of the new workers are prisoners and ex-cons who farmers say don't work as fast as immigrants. Turns out, Americans who've chosen a life of crime don't have quite the same work ethic as Guatemalans who've walked through 500 miles of desert to feed their children. So, it appears, it appears that Alabama is in a bit of a bind. But Republican state rep Jeremy Oden knows who's to blame for the problem caused by his legislation. Jim? Look. We need a federal program, a migrant program, that we can apply in our state and get these skilled laborers to stay and help these people out. Yes, the federal government must fix this problem by sealing the state borders. I say deploy the FBI, the National Guard, the President's Council on Physical Fitness. Everybody, get them to Alabama to arrest whatever immigrants are left and throw their asses in jail. Then we can force them to pick our crops as prison labor. They're so good at it. Because to preserve, to preserve our precious BLTs, we must do whatever it takes other than offer these people any rights. Hey, Jay, this is Luis, uh, the firefighter from Texas. I had called a few weeks ago. I just want to say thank you uh, for airing me. My wife told me that I was on, and uh, she played it for me. And uh, now you made me seem like a little bit of a celebrity, but um, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I wanted to pass along a story. Um, I just got off shift this morning, and uh, some of the guys coming on shift were all huddled around the big screen watching Fox News, and they're all debating 
on who their choices were for the 2012 election. And one of the paramedics that works with us, uh, and he happens to be, the paramedics are county people, they're not part of our fire department, but he uh, he waits for the quiet moment, you know, when everyone just, just stops talking and uh, he says, uh, you know, if I was a public employee, uh, you know, employee of taxpayers and I was a part of unionized labor like you guys are, none of these guys would interest me. And no one said anything. They all just stared at him. And uh, right then and there, I knew I had a, a liberal counterpart here at work. But I thought that was uh, that was interesting uh, that uh, these guys failed to make the connection as to what their job entails and what our services and, uh, you know, that they, they failed to to realize that none of these people, none of them, none of them, Kane, Robney, Perry, none of them care anything about us. Um, yeah, anyways, I thought it was funny um, uh, that they failed to make that connection. And uh, yeah, anyways, that was my comment. Um, once again, I you know, love your show. Uh, love listening to it. Keep up the good work. Bye. Hey, Jay, this is Colin from Cleveland. Uh, just a thought I had, what I've been doing myself to help get the word out about the show, uh, I'm in construction, a lot of guys are a bit older, or they're not very computer savvy, but I know everyone has a CD player, so I've actually taken the time to burn your podcasts episode by episode onto, onto a CD, and then brought them to the job site and passed them around. Get a lot of good, you know, a lot of good reviews from a lot of guys who normally wouldn't get your, uh, your show because they're just not in touch with the new technologies. And, uh, you know, it's important that the young know what's going on, but we can't forget, forget about the older people who are still a big part of this voting country. So if anyone else has the time, it's a great way to get the, uh, the word of the show out to a lot more people who normally wouldn't get it. Thanks a lot, and uh, keep up the good show, man. Bye. Hey, Jay, this is Joseph Cohen from Palo Alto. I had a couple of objections to the Peace on Fairness Doctrine. It was in episode 529. I, I really think the fairness doctrine is uh, problematic for progressives and, well, for Americans altogether. It, it does have a tremendously chilling effect on speech, and I, I thought the piece really understated the harms that come about from the uh, policy. The main problem is that you are encouraging self-censorship because newsrooms are going to try to avoid any controversial topics that will trigger the fairness doctrine obligations. The only time they really are penalized by the FCC, or were historically, was when they would air uh, comments that people found one-sided and then demanded that uh, the person who was targeted by those comments be allowed to go on there and respond. It would be like it would be like letting the Westboro Baptist Church on your program every time they got criticized or uh, letting uh, Roger Ailes or Ann Coulter come up. I mean, sometimes that might have a good effect in promoting a better debate. But really, uh, it's problematic because it, newsrooms would respond by avoiding those controversies to begin with. It, 
you can't really look at this uh, policy as an ideal. You have to look at the way it was implemented in practice. And even if it worked that way, even if it worked the way people intended, there's something very troubling about having a regulation that tells the owner of a media publication what views they must put on the air in response to a standard that's been put in by law. Clearly, it's not sweeping as uh, people like Rush Limbaugh uh, claim it is. Clearly, it's not as far-reaching as some of the newspaper headlines claim. But it's a standard that is, to me, unimaginable for any other medium. It's not something I could ever see being applied to the New York Times, for example, and something that actually was found unconstitutional when found when applied to newspapers. So for those reasons, I really think it's something that uh, progressives should be happy to see uh, removed from the media landscape. And I don't think it's something that would have stopped Fox News from becoming what it is today or really helped to shape the media landscape in a positive way to any degree. All right. Uh, those are just my uh, few uh, thoughts. Sorry, they weren't more brief. Hello, my brother. This is EJ. I'm from upstate New York, Lyons, actually. It's a very small town on uh, the on Lake Ontario. And I wanted to say, first and foremost, I love your show. It is probably the one thing that I look forward to every single week. And um, second, you know, I'm trying to find more uh, black progressive and uh, black leftists voices for you because I noticed there's a huge lack of that on your show and I think um, if if the black side is not given on a lot of these issues it, it does a disservice to the people who listen to your um, podcast because most black people are poor so we see things a bit differently than um, white liberals and white progressives anyway uh, again I love your show have a good one. Peace. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. Uh, thanks very much to the listener who called in uh, talking about having you know made CDs of the show to pass out. Uh, that is certainly not the easiest way uh, to share the show, but it is obviously incredibly effective uh you know when you actually hand someone a physical cd it's really really likely they're actually gonna uh listen to it so uh thanks to anyone who goes to that much effort to uh help spread the word of the show i actually uh know that people do that and that is the reason why you will never see an episode of best of the left that goes longer than an hour and 20 minutes you know i, I generally aim for the show to be an hour comments and voicemails to be 10 minutes uh, which leaves a 10 minute buffer and then if I need to you know something crazy happens and there needs to be some giant extended episode then I have a 10 minute buffer but I'll never make a show more than an hour and 20 minutes long because 80 minutes is, is the amount of time that fits on a CD and I always want for people to be able to uh, burn any episode to a disc if they want uh, so thanks for actually taking advantage of that uh, that that was awesome and 
Then the other thing today is I, I just want to mention, you know, that I uh, I broke from tradition of, uh, you know, as as would be normal is to title the episode based on, you know, something vaguely related to the content of the episode. Uh, but today was a special day because just by no actual effort on my part, uh, this episode broke the record for the number of acts contained uh, in, in a single show and, you know, by two before before today um, – the highest was 18, and today was 20, and I thought, what am I going to do? Not make a big deal about that? Besides the fact, uh, as many of you I'm sure will know, uh, the venerable This American Life has a very famous episode of theirs titled 20 Acts in 60 Minutes, which uh, if you haven't heard, you should definitely go check out. The whole uh, concept of that show is based on uh, you know, This American Life, when it was, uh, you know, founded, originated out of Chicago, where I now live, and uh, and there's there was and is a uh, an extremely long running uh, production in Chicago called Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind, and the whole concept of that show is that they have thirty acts that they attempt to play out within sixty minutes. And so This American Life knew about the play, they checked it out, and they thought, hey, I wonder if we could do that. And so they tried to get as many acts as they could into a 60-minute radio show. They managed to fit 20, and that was the title of the show. So I thought I would uh, you know, ride on their coattails a little bit and, and name this episode likewise. And now that I've, you know, I, I heard that episode of This American Life probably in 2004, 2005, something like that, and then it was just... Just this year that I, you know, moved to Chicago and finally got to go see Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind, which turns out is awesome. And if you have the chance, you should definitely go check it out. So that is it for today. Nothing really of substance, just a little bit of fun. And so now I thank a couple of members uh, before I go. Cat uh, K signed up for a leftist monthly membership back on June 26th and has stuck with the show since then. And Louis C signed up for a uh, leftist yearly membership back on July 17th. So huge thanks to Cat and Louis and all the members and donors who help uh, support the show. I couldn't do it without you guys, as you know. Everyone can support the show by continuing to uh, tell everyone you know about it, even by burning CDs and passing it out uh, to all your friends, as well as sharing individual clips that are all made available in the show notes. You can spread those around on your social networks incredibly easily. You can stay tuned into the show by joining up with us directly on Facebook and Twitter. You can donate your Facebook and Twitter accounts to us, which helps us spread the word through you. Details about that uh, are, are spelled out before you commit to anything. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always listed in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors of the show from bestoftheleft.com. Just a fond farewell to a friend